Cool, thanks so much, Jason. Yeah, you're already feeling sorry for me, aren't you? Because lockdown, four boys, homeschooling, working part-time. I mean, it's just so much fun. Not. <laughs> um, I was laughing, actually, when they were handing out the chocolates at our church. I, um, my husband, Dean, is one of the pastors at the Upper Room Church, um, where we lost... Um, Jason and Christiani from, and we're still recovering. Um, but we hand out bread to new visitors, and it's I am the bread of life. Um, so it's a nice little message in that. And my little four-year-old, um, who, for those of you who don't know, um, has got Down syndrome. So for ages, he's just been watching the kids come and hand out the bread, and that's good. And then one day, he got up and um, grabbed two loaves of bread, and the pastor was like, oh, and you know, Oscar's handing out the bread too. No, Oscar was gapping it out of the church with two loaves of bread. I'm like, that's my boy, lunch sorted. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're getting there. So there's, you know, that's how you feed the pastors, they take the free bread, uh, meant for guests. But I want to start off with, and this is like another little indication of the life I live, because I'm going to read you a nursery rhyme. But as a message, it is, Oh, the grand old Duke of York, he had 10,000 men. He marched them up to the top of the hill, and he marched them down again. And when they were up, they were up. And when they were down, they were down. And when they were only halfway up, they were neither up nor down. Not up, not down, the middle. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. You know, society has this down pat. We have the midlife crisis, the middle-aged spread, the middle child, middle seats on the aeroplane. We even have lockdown level two. It's not one, it's not level four, it's in the middle. And quite frankly, this is where we spend most of our life, in between, in the middle, in between the promise and its fulfillment between essentially Good Friday and Resurrection Day. And in the light of the coronavirus pandemic, it feels like we're really living in a more of a Good Friday world than a Resurrection Sunday. We are indeed in Middle Earth. And that's my cue to be able to talk about the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Clever. But thinking about the middle seats of the airline, or the, the airplane, I got to, I had to travel down for work to Napier on Friday. And I'm really organized, and I got up and got there early. I got there early enough to see the plane that I was supposed to be on leave um, because I was arriving for when it was supposed to be arriving in Napier, not when it was supposed to be leaving. But, you know, this is a whole new world, flying with masks on and, you know, not so as exciting as it used to be. But it did remind me on those days we could freely travel. And, you know, when you have a flight somewhere, you've got that fun and anticipation, if you like me and actually do enjoy flying, of taking off, you know, that whole excitement that you're on your way. But then you're in the middle of it and there's nowhere to go. You can't go, I've changed my mind. I do remember flying to Los Angeles once and it was terrible turbulence and it was like, I mean, we can't go back <laughs> because that would take as long as we're, we're literally right in the middle. We have to just keep going and you just, you can't escape it. But that's the time when boredom also sets in, when restlessness kicks in, or when turbulence can happen, and it's not so pleasant. The midpoint of the journey can become the low point, when energy lacks, enthusiasm wanes, 
It can be muddled. It can be messy. It's when frustration and impatience are felt. It doesn't offer the excitement of new beginnings. It doesn't offer the joy found in endings. The middle is just full of reality checkpoints when we realise that the journey we had envisaged is unlike the journey we're actually experiencing. Martin Luther said this, What will you do in the mundane days of faithfulness? Or, as Gandalf said in The Lord of the Rings, there you go, all we have to do is decide what we do with the time that is given us. And I think this is the challenge for us when we live in the middle days, that in-between. Often our days are filled with the mundane, the uneventful, tasks and choices that just fill an ordinary day. And often we're caught between the promise and the fulfillment. We're like in the hallway. It's not exhilarating, but it can be wearying. It can be hard. And the middle is where our once clear commitments are now compromised by circumstances that try to confuse and drown out the choices we've made. It can dull our faith. And it's where hidden doubts find their voice. So what is the middle or the in-between? It's when you're in between jobs. It's in between our hopes and our dreams and the cruelty of real life. It's in between sickness and health. It's in between the cross and the new heaven. And this is where hopelessness can come in and pitch a tent and look like it's going to stay. It's when life doesn't make sense and we don't understand how we got here. Now life is supposed to be a journey designed to help us move forward into the goodness of God that he has planned for us. But in the middle, in the in-between, we can feel like we're just in a holding pattern. Think of the Israelites, the exodus from Egypt. Now that is some start to the journey. Powerful, miraculous. I mean, our lockdown the other week was almost like that. You know, we had the lockdown and then we had the tsunami. And my parents evacuated from St. Helier's Bay because um, they live on the waterfront to my house. We decided that was a good plan um, to kind of work out what we'd do. And like my boss, who's not a Christian, was like, you know, we've kind of, we're just missing the locusts. And I said, well, I have knits. The boys have knits. So I kind of was covering it off. But, you know, for the, the Israelites, they had just had this most amazing demonstration of God's power and that escape from Egypt, that escape from slavery into freedom. But in the middle... In the wandering, in the eating the same thing day after day, they got a little bit weary, and it got a little bit challenging, so much so that they wished for their old life, they wished for the past. But in each mundane moment, each day still holds the promise of his kingdom coming in the world and in us. Jesus is in the midst of our middle, and we can live well in it. You know, the disciples walked their middles too. They're in between. Theirs was Easter Saturday. And for them, it was complete silence. The body of Jesus was lying in a tomb. Their lives ruined, dreams in pieces. They didn't understand what was going on. And it is in this gap, in this in-between, in this waiting, that they were tested. Jesus had told them to wait, that they would see him again. But they were just reeling from seeing him crucified and then seeing him dead. And that would have caused doubt and confusion. And that disbelief quickly turning to unbelief. 
For some, even their disappointment led them away from Jerusalem. Let's just get out, let's just go. Life around them was continuing as normal, yet for them everything had changed, and yet there's just silence. And that's where we often find ourselves, with unanswered questions and sorrow. I have had two conversations in the last three months of people who have had a devastating diagnosis. And they've told me as they walked out of the doctor's room to life going on as normal, but for them everything had changed. And how do they deal with that? Unanswered questions, sorrow, grief, a reality that we don't want, and heaven is silent. But this is the moment where hope needs to anchor us, to keep us in faith and trust that even in the silence, God is at work. Someone once wrote, most of our lives are lived on Holy Saturday, the space between promise and fulfillment where we hang on to a hope that never disappoints. Hope transcends the boundaries of the present and propels our vision forward. It tells us to look beyond our visible reality to an invisible realm. It tells us to hold on, for Sunday is coming. It says in Psalm 23, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. So what does your middle look like? Are you in Mordor or Rivendell? Are you in a new and an exciting normal? Or are you in a new and unexpected normal, fighting for your destiny, facing uncertainty, not sure where you are he heading, feeling a little lost? What will disappointment, loss of hope do to you? How will the middle of your life impact the rest of your life? And what can we do about it? The first thing is to know your absolutes. What are the unchangeable truths you hold amid change, hard times, or uncertainty? It's your GPS that keeps you on the path. Like how I got lost here, in the school. I had made it here because of GPS. No, not really. I'm a local. But I got lost here in the school. So I needed my GPS or somebody to point me in the right direction. You know, for me personally, after the birth of Oscar and his diagnosis with Down syndrome, I had to know my absolutes, my truths of faith. We do not allow our beliefs to be challenged by our circumstances. We allow them to be strengthened. God is good. God loves me. I can trust God. And if our hearts are not anchored to the goodness of God when hard times strike, we will lower our theology to match our pain. We will forget who the good guy is and who the bad guy is. We forget that the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. And the works of the enemy are the horrible things like stealing, killing, and destroying. He's responsible for the sickness, not God. I can still grieve, but not have hopelessness. I can be disappointed, but not despair. And in the middle, joy and pain can reside together. We get to choose whether we will form new theology around our experiences to protect our hearts from disappointment. Because that's really easy to do. I'm not going to believe in God because I can't reconcile that I'm going through a hard time. 
So I'll protect my heart from disappointment by saying he won't intervene. But then we stop trusting him and then we stop loving him. So let's just not collect frequent flyer points, use them. There's a whole lot of people who really wish they'd use their frequent flyer points before the start of 2020, I can tell you. Use them. Be active in your faith. Focus your heart more on our saviour than the circumstances. You see, while we're in the middle, we can have a centred place of wisdom and strength because that is the kingdom of heaven within us. It is in our spirit where life is transformed from struggle to grace and we are filled with trust. Faith is something we are supposed to grow now before the problem hits. It's like reading or listening to the safety instructions before the plane takes off. It's to prepare us. You know, we are never promised that we can escape the trials and the tribulations in our fallen world. But if we stay in relationship with God, we can develop trust. And out of that trust, we can have peace in the midst of every storm. It was in the middle of the storm that the disciples learned that they can trust God. God's ultimate plan for us isn't simply to hold our hand while we survive the punches of life. He never intended for our hearts to fragment and be broken. He wants us whole. We don't let the lack of a specific miracle or breakthrough in one situation to shut down our awareness and gratitude for all the other miracles God has done and is doing. Faith lies in holding on to the eternal, invisible reality in the tension of ever-changing, temporal, visible reality. And if there's one thing 2020 and 2021 has taught us, it is ever-changing. So even as we feel disappointed by a certain outcome, we must not allow that grief and disappointment to turn to unbelief. We must and we can trust God in the mystery. And it's something that I personally have been walking through and learning. When you have a diagnosis of a child, that just means that they're going to need a lot of extra help and it's going to take them a lot longer to achieve what every other child achieves effortlessly. You need and you learn to press into God. You learn that you can trust God in the mystery and you look for the miracles on the everyday. Like last year, I remember just having a moment, my little boy doesn't really talk much. Um, surprising given the family he comes from. because um, they And we just talk. Um, and I was just having a moment and just going, this is just really hard, he's not talking, and all his other friends with Down syndrome are talking, and this is just not fair, and I'm doing speech therapy and it's not working. And then the next day was Mother's Day, and I came down the stairs to him having been taught to say, not mum, I mean that would have been really nice, um, but Batman. Because all my boys love their superheroes, and so that is an essential word. And not only did they teach him to say it, they taught him how to say it, say it, as in Batman. <laughs> so my Mother's Day present last year was Batman. He has since been able to say mum, and I'm kind of regretting that sometimes because it's, you know, mum, 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 <laughs> you know, as in I want something. But I'm looking forward to this Mother's Day to see what word is going to come out next. I'm 
I'm guessing it's going to be Spider-Man or Captain America or something so useful. Um, but there we go. The other thing is, and this is from experience, is that are we there yet? If you have ever travelled with children, are we there yet? No, we've only just got out the driveway. Um, no, we're not even out of Auckland yet. Are we there yet? You know, I know it is so easy in certain seasons of life to lose our stride. The road just seems simply too long to endure. And we can feel the frustration of waiting for the prolonged promise to be fulfilled. And we've asked God many times, are we there yet? Only to find no answer to help us decide whether we should persevere or give in. The fact is, we are all on a journey from where we are now to where we want to be. And in our eagerness to get there, we must remember that God never promised it would be easy. We don't get that pass to take us to the front of the line. The journey of any dream, plan and destiny will be filled with highs and lows. It will take you from mountaintop to valley. The scenery may go from breathtaking to absolutely boring. But when we trust God with the process, every stage has its miracle. You know, we can be confused travellers, disorientated by the season we're in, or frustrated by what we're facing. But we need to remember that God is there with us. You know, I've travelled in Italy, and you're travelling through the mountains, and you spend so much time, you go, wow, amazing scenery, tunnel. Wow, amazing scenery, tunnel. And you, I mean, on one trip, there would have been like, I think, like 30 tunnels. So you're just going from, wow, to dark, wow, to dark. And that's what life is like. You can sit there and think, we've made it, wow, tunnel. Wow, we've made it, tunnel. And we're still going up, though. But God turns up the volume at the start of a new journey, which is why it can be so exciting. It is when we hear his voice loud and clear. We feel a sense of confirmation and witness from those around us. With the volume turned up, God's word stirs up our faith. When Dean and I felt the call of God to move on, we were pastors at the River Christian Church in Pakaranga. Um, Dean had been there since it's, um, it had started, and we just felt the stirring in God to move on and move on to the upper room. That whole time, I mean, Dean and I were coming up, what happened to you today? Um, this happened to me. Oh my gosh, well, this happened to me. I mean, I have never gone through such a miraculous time in my life. I would come home and there'd be doves on our driveway. Just like, just doves. I would have to stop my car because there's doves on the road in front that wouldn't move until I stopped. And Dean was like going into places or turning on the radio, it was always the same song happening. So we were just like, this is, you could just feel the, the supernatural spiritual excitement that change was afoot. And I remember going to my dentist, and I hate going to the dentist. I hate it, I really do. But I had a lovely Christian dentist who was just lovely. And so I had got up my courage and I'd turned up and he broke the news to me very gently that he was about to move to Australia. So I thought, okay, so we're moving to Australia now. That's <laughs> where he goes, I need to go. And he said to me, oh, you just wouldn't believe it. It was just so amazing. My wife and I, like, we would hear the same song on the radio We'd go into church, the song would be playing, just all these signs that we're meant to go. And he goes, so Philippa, just, you know, ask for signs. And I thought, 
you are the sign. I mean, like, this is exactly what we are going through. And then I drove away, and I thought, oh, I'm actually going to ask God. I, I need a sign. I, I really want a sign. So I had already arranged to catch up with my sister for the post dentist survival reward at a cafe and we're sitting there and a lady from the upper room turns up to say hi to her because they were friends and she's standing there holding an owl which is just really weird in a cafe she's just holding an owl you know talking about the wisdom of God and I'm just going when has this ever happened you know nothing could be clear and you get that that there is a lot happening at the start of the journey And it's soul food to sustain us later. Because beginnings are the time when we must remember to press record. Record the voice of God, the words of encouragement, and the signs that you got heading down this road. Record the instructions that mobilized you. Because there may come a point in the middle where you will need to replay those directions to help you move again. There will be times when you use the words you recorded, which holds them to your purpose to soothe the pain you may have to endure in the process. Now, when I look back at the birth of Oscar, there was a few very significant things. Is one, I went into labour unexpectedly, a little bit early, and the obstetrician I was with, who was a lovely Christian lady, was meant to do my elective C-section because I need them. But, of course, I'd gone into labour and so you just get whoever's on and the doctor at the time said look I'm sorry she's just finished night shift you're not seeing her I said that's fine that's that's all good you know we'll just go with it just want the baby out safely and then she walked in she said I heard you in here I'm scrubbing up and I'm coming in so I had not only one obstetrician I had two obstetricians in the delivery room with me and then within minutes of Oscar being born, I had a paediatrician telling me that he showed signs of Down syndrome. And I remember this doctor leaning over to me and just saying, you have a beautiful, strong, healthy baby. It was like an angel was there in the room. I remember too having a dream um, just before I found out I was pregnant with Oscar and then. In the dream, I was t- God told me, so in the dream it was God telling me, you have another baby to look after. So to me, when I was going through tough times, I'd look back at those and just think, wow, God was there the whole time. He told me my baby was coming. There was a time when I was um, having problems with the pregnancy and having to rush for an emergency ultrasound and I was worried I was losing the baby and one of my dear friends rang me and I pulled over to the side of the road and she said, I just felt from God I needed to call you. How are you? Well, I'm just on my way to the doctors because, you know, something's not going well. So those moments hold you to the eternal purpose and the hope and they ground you. And I think the same as you guys enter into this new exciting time. Like Keystone, when you said that, I got goosebumps. So hold on all to all the words that point you into the direction that God is trying because it is hard work. Uh, I'm say, sorry, it's hard work, but it's going to be good. And I'm here to say you as a resident of Glendowie, you are needed here. You are in a school. There are so many challenges facing generations today, facing families. There is a college five minutes away 
that needs some godly intervention, that needs a place where the kids can go and, and be themselves and be safe and be among Christian um, ideas and beliefs and values because they don't have that. And I think if there's one thing that 2020 and 21 is teaching us, local is so important. We are all told to eat local, support local, to support our local community. And I think we're seeing a shift that everything's going local. You know, we stay local. It, it feels safer, but we want to support those. And so I don't think it's by chance that you guys are here. Like, there is no church like you here. And it is so vital in this community to be here, to be present, to come alongside the kids that are facing things that we never faced. The anxiety, the stress, the pressure, the fractured families. There is so much need for a body, a family, a church family to come alongside and support So don't allow the middle to intimidate you. Don't allow it to make you feel alone, to be disillusioned, or to make you feel weary. God wants our spirits to be strengthened and our soul revived. We must not allow weariness or disappointment to alter our posture of our heart, nor let gaps to appear between our love of God and the direction that we're going. We need to get back to the place where we seek first his kingdom and trust him with all that other stuff. The middle is where we can give in to the I don't feel like it, I can't do it, and it can be in the familiar that we most struggle to follow. It's in the mundane that often it becomes really hard to keep going. But it is in the middle of the storm that we discover what is in the middle of us. Think of the movie The Wizard of Oz or the book, The Wizard of Oz, or the musical, The Wizard of Oz. You know, at the end, all the wizard did was affirm in each character what he or she already had within them and what was revealed in their journey. So the wizard gives the cowardly lion a medal of courage for the bravery he displayed. He gave the tin man a heart-shaped pocket watch to remind him of his kindness. He gives the scarecrow a diploma to celebrate his wisdom and Dorothy finds out that the ruby red shoes she has been wearing from the very start of her journey are all she ever needed to take her back home. When we face the tests in the middle, we need to not forget who God is and all he has done. Let's not be blindsided by the test and forget the testimonies of our past as they are the fuel for our future. So allow the middle to strengthen what's in the middle of you Allow it to propel you towards your promise, towards your healing, towards your destiny, towards your breakthrough. And praise before the breakthrough. One of the key things that I have found in life is going through the testimony. Um, I'm hopeless with songs and with words, but we kind of sang it in one of those songs. <laughs> really sorry. Um, but there is another song that I wrote down to cover this. It says, though the tears may fall, my song will rise. Though my heart may fail, my song will rise. When there's breath in my lungs, I will praise you, Lord. In the dead of night, I'll lift my eyes. Though the waters rise, I'll lift my eyes. I'll lift my eyes to you, 
where there's hope in this heart. That is the time we need to praise. It is the hardest time to praise, but that is how the breakthrough comes because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And in the dead of night, when it seems so dark, if we lift our eyes, we will find our hope. So Frodo said this, another Lord of the Rings quote, just for you. I wish it need not have happened in my time, said Frodo. So do I, said Gandalf. And so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. You know, the story of Jesus Christ's crucifixion is one of betrayal, brutality and pain. Yet we know, even before his death, that redemption was promised to be coming soon. We know that the story does not end at the cross. We know what many did not realise was that Sunday is coming. Celebrating Easter means rejoicing in the life, the death and the resurrection of Jesus and recognising what each of these events can teach us about the character of God. So be reminded about this truth this Easter. God has worked. God is working. And God will work through all things, even now as we find ourselves awaiting his return. To be a Christian is to live every day of our lives in solidarity with those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, but to live in the unshakable hope of those who expect the dawn. The world lives like it's Good Friday. We live in the midst of a dying world, yet our hope walks among us resurrected, triumphant, perfect and holy. The resurrection of Jesus gives birth to a hope that says you're in the middle of circumstances that deny a reason to have hope, but God reinterprets those circumstances. Anne Frank wrote this in her diary, where there's hope, there's life. It fills us with fresh courage and makes us strong again. God's resurrection power turns death into life. It turns despair into hope and weakness into strength. Why? Because Jesus finished and completed his work on that day of resurrection Sunday and we get to go and live it amongst all those that are around. If I could have the worship up. You know, as the hymn says, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. And that is what we take into the middle. But even now, we say, come, Lord Jesus. Amen.